raising successful children from someone who's done just that. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Esther Wojcicki, founder of the Palo Alto High School Media Arts Program, distinguished honorary scholar at the Stanford University Media X, and author of How to Raise Successful People, Simple Lessons for Radical Results. Welcome, Esther. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Sounds like a great group. <laughs> the, the history that you have and the experience you have is a lot to encompass in a quick introduction. But just to give some context for people to understand why you're here and why you wrote the book, can you give us just a brief summary of your background and um, uh, your profession? So I've been a teacher at Palo Alto High School for 36 years. And I started this program, the media arts program uh, in 1984. And there were about 19 kids in the program. And then over the years, I built it up. Um, actually, they came very willingly. And the main thing that I was giving away was something that teenagers really like. It's called independence <laughs> and freedom. And um, so by the year 2000, it had about 100 people in it. And then not to take up the whole podcast telling you about this. Um, it has today about 700 kids. And I have a brand new 25,000 square foot media arts building. And I thank the city of Palo Alto very much every day for <laughs> voting to support that. You've built such a successful career and, and certainly you've you've taught and, and nurtured, if you will, many young people, um, including some, some very uh, famous ones, besides your children. Um, talk about the book. We, we, we mentioned it in the intro, How to Raise Successful People. What motivated you to write it? So the main reason I wanted to write it, first, I had a lot of requests, a lot of educators coming to visit all the time, and then a lot of parents wanting to know, like, what did you do to your daughters? And, and so I thought, well, this is a, you know, somebody really wants to know about this, perhaps I'll write a book because that will solve the problem. They'll have a lot, of, lot more people have the answers. And then the third reason that I wrote it was because I saw this incredible um, helicopter parenting problem that we have encountered in recent years. It was getting worse and worse and worse with kids being afraid to take a risk for fear that they might do things wrong. And I thought, well, maybe if I can write about how important it is to give kids some control, freedom, opportunity to make a mistake, maybe that parents would understand and change a little bit. That was, those are the three reasons. You, you, you mentioned <laughs> raised successful daughters, and that's why you've had a lot of people ask you to, to write about the experiences and what led to their success. Who are those daughters? So my oldest daughter is Susan, and she is the CEO of YouTube. And she is one of the founding people of Google. She was employee number 16. And she is the one that came up with how, to, how Google should make money. So uh, she contributed quite a bit. And she, was, um, she also bought YouTube for Google, which I thought was, that was a really big risk when she did that, because YouTube was just a tiny little thing. And then my second daughter is Janet, and she's a professor of pediatrics at University of California, San Francisco. And right now she's in Japan studying the Japanese eating habits to see why they live so long. <clears throat> She'd like to bring it here to America, right? the sooner the better, actually. And the third daughter is Anne, and she's the co-founder and the CEO of 23andMe, the personal genetics company. 
So needless to say, I'm a very proud mother. I am sure you are. <laughs> and for every, you have every reason to be so. You and I have talked about rebellion and I've lived by the philosophy and it applies, I think most of the time, ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Yes. How important is rebellion to the success and to being an entrepreneur? I mean, you came by rebellion through tragedy. Can, right. Are you born that way? I mean, I've always felt that that's just who you are. Can you actually teach rebellion? I think you can teach rebellion. You can teach kids to think independently, and that is basically by not doing so many things for them, you know, and allowing them to pursue something that they are passionate about. You know, when they're little, they, you never know what they could be passionate about, you know, little cars or, you know, frogs or who knows what. Um, as they get older, they become passionate about things that you would never expect. And I think parents and teachers tried to overguide kids. And so that cuts down on the creativity. And Sir Ken Robinson, who gave the number one TED talk, says that schools kill creativity. And I had a little debate with him. I said, some schools kill creativity, right? Some schools don't. And I try to be one of those schools that enhances creativity because I give kids an opportunity to write about what they care about and control the platform. And most people are afraid of that, or most schools are afraid of that, um, because they are worried that the kids don't have the common sense to do that. And what I'm trying to show is, you know, through these programs and through all these students and through the fact that they win the top of the nation in awards for years, all kids have this opportunity to do it, or should have this opportunity. All kids have the um, ability to rebel. And one of the most socially accepted ways to rebel is writing about it and getting other people to read about it. And so you want to encourage them to think independently. When they complain about something, don't squash it. Just say, well, how about writing about it? Why don't you understand more about whatever it is that you don't like and let's see what we can do about it. Maybe it's not just impacting you. Maybe it's also impacting other people and you could do everybody a favor by writing about it or by saying something or debating about it or one of those things. So um, we can enhance this um, rebellion that you're talking about. And I think I'm a born rebel, probably based on that unfortunate incident that happened to my, to my childhood with my brother, which you will read about in the book, but also as a student in college, I went to the probably the most rebellious college campus in the country, UC Berkeley, where I majored in um, political science and English literature. So you can imagine, it was like, oh, this is the perfect place to major in these two things. <laughs> Had a wonderful time, I must say. Berkeley's a great school. Yay, Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> you say that the number one thing that people want is trust and respect. How do we accomplish that in an era where we're flooded by fake news, um, people are selling our data to the highest bidder, and there's a toxic social media landscape? It's a great question because there isn't a lot of trust in the political era arena right now. And I think that comes because there's not a lot of political trust at the top. People are very nervous. And that filters its way down into society. And so we're all 
a little apprehensive. But that doesn't mean that you have to bring that into your home. You can still treat your child and your family with trust and respect. And you, your child to be empowered and to feel good about pursuing something has to feel trust in themselves. And the only time that they feel like they're trusted themselves is when somebody they respect believes in them. You know, their mother, father, teacher, somebody. So if you believe in a kid and you think he's actually going to do a really good job, he will work really hard to make sure that you continue to believe in him. And that's where the grit comes. It's like, oh, yeah, she really believes that I'm going to be able to get that story. That's a really tough story to get. People won't talk to me. You know, I'm having a hot problem writing it. But I can do it because, you know, I want to continue to have that trust and respect. And they don't say that out loud, but they're saying that internally to themselves. And that's, you should take a look at the work they're doing. It's amazing work. And I would like to, at first, congratulate all my students. I think they're wonderful. Um, but I think that that gives them skills for life. Because, you know, once somebody believes in you and says that you're pretty amazing, all it takes is really one person that you respect. And that makes a huge impact on that person's life. That's what I'm focusing on. Teachers have that power. So I suggest that for all teachers. What needs to change in our education system to help raise more successful adults? Well, I think the penalty for making a mistake has to change. So people are afraid to do things there's a lot of cheating because the penalties are really high. So my, mass, my system is called the mastery system. You write something and then you revise it and you revise it again and you don't get a grade until you're done revising it, at which point you get an A. So the grade is not the pressure. It's like, can I learn how to do this? Can I do a really good job? And that can work in actually all subjects, to be honest, because I've also taught math and I've taught social studies and I've taught English. And so no matter what, you can give kids an opportunity to revise, iterate, because it, learning happens when you make mistakes. That's what school is all about. You make mistakes, you revise it, you learn how to do it, and then, then you move to the next step. And um, so that's, there's a lot of tests out there that are challenging and threatening to a lot of kids. And I would say that that needs to, that needs to change. The testing needs to change. Your husband is famous, is a famous physicist in his own right. right. How important, not everybody has access to the right education or the education they would want for their child. And so maybe parents are trying to you know, shoulder, which they should shoulder the majority of this on their own anyway. How important is working together and agreeing on parenting styles? And what if your spouse doesn't agree? I mean, are you still going to be able to raise successful adults? Well, so you have to remember when you read my book that my husband, being the ultimate physicist, professor of physics, spent a lot of time in the lab trying to discover and challenge Einstein's theories, right? So he was busy. And so Yes, we agreed on parenting, but I did most of the parenting. He did not do a lot of the parenting because he was busy, you know, in doing his physics stuff. And I respected that. And, you know, he respected my decisions 
that I made when um, he wasn't there. We got along pretty well. Sometimes um, he might have been a little harsher than I was. Um, we had sort of different methods of, you know, making things work. But the most important thing for parents to realize is don't get mad at each other, you know? Don't make it into a huge battle because every day there's going to be something out there that your kid is going to do and you're going to both have different viewpoints. And actually, most of the time it works if the basis of it is trust and respect. And so if you think about that acronym, trust, respect, so how do you get that? Giving kids some independence, allowing them to collaborate and teaching them with kindness. So the whole acronym works together to help you remember what is important in parenting, what's important in teaching, and actually what's important in your marriage as well. In Silicon Valley, some say that it's really stacked up against women. And I wouldn't say just Silicon Valley, I would say in many industries. How do you parent a successful daughter versus a son? Is there a different set of teaching rules that apply? Well, I think it is probably a little bit more challenging because you know, what you're doing is you're preparing your daughter for a world that's highly competitive, and a lot of it is based on sex. And so what I always did is I made it really clear that no matter whether you're a girl or a boy, you had the same opportunities. Well, that was probably a little bit of a stretch for me as a parent, but I said that anyway. And so they went out into the world thinking that they had the same opportunities. The other thing I always said is don't get deterred or waylaid by something like, you know, sexual harassment. Just fend it off. Tell the person, but don't let that become your purpose in life. Because then what happened to your goal? You left it. So I think it's important to make that clear that, you know, your goal is still the primary thing. And you want to work with all these men who are, it's all very competitive. But um, you are a colleague with these guys. And, you know, that's it. Nothing else. Just a colleague. And, you know, we can be friends, you know, colleagues. But my private life is my private life. <laughs> yeah. On that note, I'm going to say there's so much more I could ask. But if somebody wants to get a copy of your book, Esther Wojcicki, founder of Palo Alto High Media Arts Program, chief learning officer at Planet 3, and author of how to Raise Successful People, Simple Lessons for Radical Results. Somebody wants a copy of your book, maybe they want to connect with you. Esther, how can they do that? Well, so one way is they can go to the website. It's called raisesuccessfulpeople.com or send me a tweet and it's Esther Wojcicki at Twitter. So um, I would love to hear from you. Well, I will tweet at you, Esther. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. And thank you for this interview. I really enjoyed your questions. Absolutely. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.